You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the World Arm Wrestling League this week. I'm your host Neil Pickup, and it is on. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to World Arm Wrestling League this week. I'm Neil Pickup. It is show 12. And you thought you could escape it, but no, no, no. The King's Move, part two. We've done one show where we focused on the King's Move. We focused on the people and the arguments that are against the use of the most controversial move in arm wrestling history. Tonight, it's the B-side, the flip side. The Four Camp. And when you think about it, what better time to do this? We've just seen the King's Move utilised to massive effect to take out Dave Chafee. Easy money was easy work for Michael Todd in World Arm Wrestling League's 503 event in Richmond, Virginia. And why? Because of Michael Todd's incredible ability to efficiently utilise the King's Move. As everybody knows, Michael Todd is currently the most famous, well-known exponent of the King's Move, active on the elite arm wrestling circuit. However, he is by no means the only elite arm wrestler who chooses and uses this most controversial of arm wrestling techniques. No limits, Devon Larratt, a man who's often preached the gospel about his openness to all styles, all techniques... Any and every possible way to win is another elite arm wrestler that we've seen utilise the King's move with devastating efficiency. And it's helped him to victories against the likes of Matt Mask and Todd Hutchins. Perhaps most interesting is the fact that Michael Todd utilised the King's move in order to defeat Larratt himself. However, tonight the man with no limits is in the corner of the King's move. The corner of Michael Todd, of himself and of all other arm wrestlers that dare to be out and proud, to lie back, to lie under the table, to let that arm straighten, to take a mother fluffy knee and beat people by any means necessary. So for all of you out there who caught the first show, and in order to answer the comments of Jeff Hale, Todd Hutchins, Tony Katowski, Matt Mask and Rob Vigent Jr. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to welcome to the show, No Limits, Devon Larratt. Okay, Devon, the King's move. Obviously, uh, you're closely catching up behind Michael Todd in terms of popularity for your use of and endorsement of the King's move. Now, you're very aware of all the arguments on this. We're going to start and try and break these down bit by bit and just get some opinion, and I'll play devil's advocate a little bit where I can. But the biggest issue that we seem to face with the King's move is the fact that most of the non-arm wrestling viewers of the sport of arm wrestling perceive this as being the most 
poorly demonstrated method of arm wrestling or arm wrestling technique that you could possibly do. I mean, if we break it back to its basis level, a non-arm wrestler thinks that you should use just your arm and effectively push another man's arm sideways to the pad. When you start to incorporate any kind of body movement that you would normally see with a standard hook, a standard top roll, they believe that that looks like you're using too much body. So you then add on something like the king's move, and you've gone to like the antichrist of what they perceive as being fair arm wrestling. Uh, now, as we start to develop the sport of arm wrestling, it starts to get to a wider audience, and that's the aspiration. Do you not think that the king's move is damaging the sport in that respect? No, no, I really don't. And I know that I'm in the minority here, but I'm very happy in my position because I feel that I love the sport more than most and I've spent more time on it. And I feel it's, it's very important that I be as vocal about this as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when it comes to sport of arm wrestling, uh, the sport's been around a long time and let's not pretend like this King's move is a new phenomenon to start with. Yeah. Uh, and let's not pretend like uh, the sport is somehow going to be transformed into all these people, just Kings moving uh, because it's, it's just never going to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing, one of the things that I really love about the sport of arm wrestling is the diversity and the options that you have. Uh, To me, what makes the sport really beautiful is that it is a a fight sport. There are choices. You can be, uh, if you compare this to a fighting sport, you've got guys who are great on the ground, you got guys who are great stand-up, you got guys who are great with their fists, with their legs, with their knees, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but to expect that that you're going to make MMA into boxing or MMA into wrestling, I think would diminish what UFC is. And but if you I, compare it with a fight sport, Devon, let's say UFC, okay? Yeah. And you've got a great grappler, somebody like Damian Meyer, who's an excellent jiu-jitsu specialist. If he is what's seen to be closing the match down, not advancing his position when he takes the match to the ground, He has a set period of time, and then he's stood up and he has to resume on the feet. There's nothing like that in arm wrestling to counter the King's move. I don't believe that uh, we need to to do that. I think that there's many things that have... So, okay, I'll fire it back because I understand what pure arm wrestling is or the idea of what pure arm wrestling is. And I also understand how the King's move uh came into this sport so there is no doubt more kings moving going on today than there really ever has been even though it's still a very small part of the sport when did you first become aware of it mate when did you first see it was it with azakowitz yes so my teacher my second coach a guy called troy eaton who right he's a fabulous arm wrestler yes he is Competed yeah. against him many times. Great bloke. Right. And and Troy is probably one of the most fundamentally sound arm wrestlers that there is. Yeah, uh, he's rock solid. Yeah. His entire style is based around the high hook. He top rolls. Uh, he hooks. He can press when needed. But that's about the spectrum that he's working in. Right? Mm-hmm. So really the center of arm wrestling. 
Yes. Um, now he was in the 80 kilo class while we were training together. Mm -hmm. And George Zakowicz lived just down the road. And unfortunately, Troy was cursed while he was in the 80 kilogram class to come second to Troy every time they basically met. And the two of us studied him like crazy. And to George, like, yeah. So Troy was losing to George at that time. Yes, yeah. Okay. And this is like 25 years ago. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So um, it was very, very early in my career that I became aware of the King's move. I practiced with George, you know, even from the time when I was first getting into the sport. And there's a big difference between seeing it and actually getting on a table and feeling it and understanding what's really going on. And 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 people who downplay it, really, I'll tell you, they should really actually feel it and understand it. Because once you do that, um, you understand that there's no real magic or invulnerability to it. It's like a lot of great things in arm wrestling. It's a puzzle that has to be cracked and solved. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, a lot of these Kings movers uh, who do it right, like to disrespect a guy like George, who's been arm wrestling 30 years and 40 years or 50 years, yeah. um, and say it's just because his arm can't straighten is a massive disrespect to the sport and the intricacies, intricacies of it. Like the things that he's doing, I mean, you give a guy on the street George's tools, I promise you they can't do the Kings move. No, that 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 is a popular misconception. Yes, it's it's. I it's, mean, it's not an easy thing. That people seem to think, oh, it's just cheating, and I could just adapt to doing that style of arm wrestling. That wow. is just simply not the case. It's far from the case. But I understand what's got it to a place where it's more prevalent. Uh, prevalent. I I think that the one of the first things that happened was, I'll say, the rise in strap arm wrestling. Mm -hmm. Because the King's move really only makes sense um, in the strap. You can do outside of the strap what I will call a half slip, okay? Um, and that's when, you, when you're arm wrestling and you have your riser compromised, uh, you ditch your riser and continue to pull in like a low-handed, heavy rotational, open shoulder kind of a style, which... Um, you've half slipped, but you're not committing the full slip. And then if somebody chooses to slip, well, that's fine. And then you go to strap. Or if you stay in that spot, if they come to you, then they've fallen for a bait, which they really shouldn't have. But mm -hmm. the real strength in the King's move is in the strap. Yes. I mean, you, you only have to look at the guys that have done that most fluidly and most soundly throughout the career. And all of them get the biggest wins with the strap. It's yeah, right. And, slip, and I think strap, that, and that's when they go to work. Right, and I and I think that probably in the last um, decade or so, um, and no, uh, and and never more easy than the present uh, has it been. You've been able to get the strap at basically no cost. Mm -hmm. Right. So basically, all slips go to straps. You don't even have to slip anymore. Within 30 seconds in the WAL, you have application to a strap. Yeah, we should really make that distinction. When you say with no cost at all, that's in professional arm wrestling. So Correct. if you look at the World Arm Wrestling League, for example, certainly not the case with WAF. And, and the World Arm Wrestling Federation, yeah, very yeah. different criteria. So we should yes. we should just make that, that clear. Right. And when I'm talking about 
this, I'm viewing it at the highest level possible, okay? So I'm not talking about it from an amateur perspective because if that's the discussion, I will, I will look at this discussion very differently. Mm-hmm. But from, and I think that that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about, you know, the highest level of pro arm wrestling. Yes, we are. I mean, um, Anatoly Marantsev, who was a Russian um, that I've personally seen practicing what I used to call the bottom roll, okay? Right. Uh, which is effectively the king's move. I seen him at World Arm Wrestling Federation events in 1996, okay, pulling the king's move. At that same event, Crazy George was involved there, and both guys were doing the same technique. So Anatoly was another originator of what we now call the king's move. Now, he was doing that and practicing that at any and all competitions, professional, amateur, you name it, it was just that he was genetically predispositioned to be able to do it. And it's the same thing for George. I think George sort of rose to prominence because of his ability and propensity to do it in money matches against big men. And these days, that's where uh, it's most effective because, like you say, the rule system is different. You're not being punished for trying to get to the straps in the same way. And you can see that that whole package, that whole approach of arm wrestling has evolved. If you, you yes. only have to study a Michael Todd match and he will, it, you know, you can, you can watch him walk through the stages of how to perform the function, how to do that technique. And right. it is much bigger than just driving back, pronating. There's a tremendous amount goes on. Right. I think there's two distinctions to make here the actual body of the technique and whether, and, and, and we can talk about that, but also whether that is damaging to the sport of arm wrestling as a consumer article, as something that a viewer is going to watch. So if you are looking to expand it, if you're looking to take it forward to the masses, does it detract? Almost like if all UFC matches were contested by excellent grapplers, who were able to close down strikers and spoil them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what we're, that's what we're talking about here. Right. So I want to just get into that with you as well, really, mate. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to get there yet. I definitely want to get there because I believe me, it's something I've thought a lot about, but I just want to make sure that people really understand the whole situation before we move to the answer. I want to first really talk about really where we are and why we're here. Yeah. So like, so we both agree that the reason one of the reasons why is because how easily you can get the strap. Yeah, I I would, I would, I would agree with that and endorse that. Okay. And, and I think that once you start arm wrestling with the strap a lot, which is, I think people do more now than ever. Yeah. I'd agree with that as well. Right. So, and once you start to arm wrestle with a strap on, you start to realize that it's just, it's a bit different. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the way that you arm wrestle, um, I think that the, the main thing that happens with a strap is uh, how much uh, how much more value is put in the in the strength to just bring your elbow backwards. Just yep. the drag. I think also good strap pullers are people that have a really solid strap game and have a decent amount of pronation. The other thing that the strap can do very, very well is protect your wrist. So it can make a strong wrist 
a stronger wrist. Yes. You can utilize the strap to make your wrist almost uh, immovable. And I know Correct. that in my career, I had an ability to, to enhance my wrist greatly by using the strap. Yeah. And I feel like there's two um, really, really great strap styles that are visible um, in the sport today. Um, and I think that both of them involve dragging. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one one uses supination, the other one uses pro, pronation. I think that some of the best strap pullers, uh, I think one of the best guys is Sasho Andreev. Yeah, he's very good at what he does in a strap. Right? And and he's not king's moving. He's not dragging and keeping his shoulder in the match. Yes. Yeah. Right? And I think that that's but But you'll never see him pull like that without a strap. No, his connection to his lower palm when he's driving sideways to set that hook is ridiculous. Even if he's a flat wrist, he, he, he connects so well with his shoulder to his lower wrist that his side pressure with a strap is really, really serious. Right. And, and this is a style that's brought about only in the strap. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with King's Move. The King's Move is another style that is much... It, these, are, these two styles are the ones that benefit the most in the strap. All the other moves, I don't think, are as powerful or as prominent as, as those two styles. Mm-hmm. Now, so that, that's, just, that's just, I feel like, what is just the natural uh, you know, way forward when you open up more strap armrests. And you're just going to see more, more of those two styles. I think another thing that that really made a big difference, uh, and I think that this is kind of a growing agreement, is that the break arm foul has has no place in arm in, in pro arm wrestling. Yeah, that's a, again, that's an understandable. So, by the same token, uh, if you don't want to get punched in the head and risk serious injury, don't box. If right. you don't want to potentially come off and hit a garden wall at 200 miles an hour, don't race motorcycles in the Isle of Man. Right. You know, yeah, they're, they're, they're big boys and girls. They know what they're doing. And if they sign up, then fair enough. Exactly. And the whole thing about, like, the king's move being called because your shoulder drops, this, this entire concept, I believe, was originated because people thought it was a dangerous position. Correct. So to me, this this whole idea needs to be completely uh, discarded. To me, so it's not even just to just to pick up there, mate. Are you suggesting that the king's move would be viable within professional arm wrestling only? Potentially, would that be a step forward? So you would outlaw it within amateur competition because of the health and safety risk. I think that a smart and educated referee should always retain the right to stop a match at any time. Um, and I don't think that they need to be limited um, by describing the position um, with a set of words like, you know, the elbow, uh, like the shoulder drops below the table, or they're looking away from their hand, those two standard positions that we always talk about. Yep. Um, but the truth is, is anybody who's watched arm wrestling a long time, you know, Typically, the arm breaks in um, in relatively safe positions, in, in my opinion. I, I've never seen somebody break their arm in a king's move. Uh, I, I haven't See, seen... I, I kind of agree with your first comment in that in yeah. professional arm wrestling or elite-level arm wrestling of any description, really, 
I don't think that the referee should be empowered to stop the arm wrestling match, personally. Um, yeah, I, I really don't believe that it, you know, this isn't boxing. This isn't, no. this isn't something that carries that great a risk. At the end of the day, you break your arm. Now, it's not great, but it's not, you know, it's not the, the worst injury that you can suffer. And, and I also believe that a lot of referees, with the greatest of respect to referees, they're not all cut from a cloth, which makes them the most technically efficient um, arm wrestlers in the world and have an understanding of techniques. I've had many conversations with many referees who didn't have a clear understanding of the technique that they were judging you on. Ladies and gentlemen, I hate to do this as I can see many of you are starting to be converted. However, we've got to take a short break right now, but do not go away. Keep those spud guns loaded. We'll be right back in just a few with more Kings Move Love from Devon Larratt. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gents. I hope the aggression levels haven't dropped too much. We're going straight back into the mix with the formerly popular No Limits Devon Larratt. I think another thing that's kind of shaped the current uh, flavor of our sport uh, is the two inches that were added on the back of the elbow pad in the World Arm Wrestling League. Okay. And I think that what that has done is it has empowered all dragging styles. And because of the strap uh, and because of the strength that that extra two inches gives you, it's yep. empowered our strap-based dragging moves to an even higher degree than they than they have been in the past. And the two inches hasn't been added to the front to provide that balance to counter it. I think there's something in that, Devon. But the other thing that I would suggest is, if that was purely and simply the case, why are the likes of Anatoly, why did Georgia Zakowitz and Michael Todd all have the ability, and others, Gregory Schneider, Pascal Girard, all have the ability to use the King's move so effectively on a standard WAF 7x7 pad. Oh, listen, it's a great move. I'll tell you it's a great move, but I will also tell you that it's a greater move for every inch you can move further and further back without your opponent being able to match it with forward movement. Yeah, so in many ways, what you're saying is purely and simply that the World Arm Wrestling League pad format is really makes the Kings move more open to more arm wrestlers. So in a way, it's encouraging that technique to be used. I believe that that is the case. Okay. Okay, so I think that this is where we are, right? Like, I think that this paints a picture of why we are where we are today. Mm-hmm. And then people have a problem with it, right? Like people don't like where we've gotten. So we have a couple choices. We we can either say, no, we actually are okay with it. Or we can try and come up with answers to make it more, um, we, we, can, we can say, okay, let's, let's make this what we want it to look like. Uh, I've seen a lot of arm wrestling in the world and I know what my favorite version of it is, but I know that a lot of people aren't quite there. So um, ju just clarify what that it, is. What is your favorite version of it? It's freedom. Okay, so you're talking about from a, a format perspective, rule system, freedom right. being basically that 
the arm wrestler has the ability to utilize everything on the tabletop. He's not restricted to a pad of any description. He can move anywhere on that tabletop in order to get the win. Right. Yeah, this is my favorite kind of arm wrestling, but um, we don't really need to get there right now. But if you wanna, if you wanna fix the the exact problem of the king's move, I feel like you have uh, really. Um, you've got a couple choices, none of them, which I think are perfect, but I think if you want to lower, uh, the power of the strap, then, well, you need to go back and make people have to earn the strap more, which mm -hmm. I am not in favor for. I think that, uh, there's too many gray areas. And once we go there, it becomes an empowerment for the referee, which I never want to see. I really want to see um, a referee have as a really as little power in the decision and outcome of any match as possible. And I yeah, think so that when you the, start- The referee's to, influence needs to be kept to a minimum. Yes, yes, very much at a minimum. So, and I think that when you start to um, make the strap call, uh, more in the hands of the referee, I think that you go down a much murkier path, path than we are looking at right now. Okay. Um, I think that if you want to get rid of the King's move also, um, I think that the whole pad issue, I think that what we tried to do there is we tried to get rid of elbow fouls. You know, we try, and I understand that that was, that was a brave step. You know, to add those two inches uh, to the back of the pad, I think that that was a brave step. But I think that to to fix it, because I really do think it, that, it, that it has changed the balance of our sport negatively, I feel that we should be able to do all forms of arm wrestling. I'm mm -hmm. not for any style of arm wrestling. I'm for all of it. And you know, I, I, I would suggest that the World Arm Wrestling League pad, the change in the pad, the origination of that was an unnecessary step. And I don't think it was beneficial. I think that you didn't need to add... The, 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 the table wasn't broke. It didn't need to be fixed. There was no need to add an additional two inches on there. And evidenced by the fact that there'd been many super matches in different promotions that have been contested in the correct manner with the end game that they were looking for prior to World Arm Wrestling League coming around. I think you may be onto something that it has made a difference, but do you think that if we were to standardise the format of the pad back to 7x7, seven seven, that that would be a beneficial move? Well, what I think it will do is I think it will bring the sport back to a balanced place mm -hmm. um, where here's the thing. I feel like the arm wrestling table measurements yep. is based off of two average sized human beings arm wrestling. Yes. And I think that the angles where they come together in the center allows equal opportunity to both move forward and to move backward in natural anatomical positions. Yeah. So it's not just to break that down for the layman that is not favoring any particular system or style of arm wrestling. So Correct. it's not, 
favouring the top roller, it's not favouring the guy who wants to pull on the inside and hook or press. Right. Right. And and I agree with you with everything that you said about the, the WAL pad. There's, mm-hmm. there's not a pro like I like that they're willing to take risks and and make mistakes. I think when you you become too afraid of making mistakes, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to make any steps forward. Yeah, uh, essentially just kills the progression. Right. So I think that taking the two steps off the back on on the back was, was an interesting idea, um, and I didn't foresee it. I didn't know that it was going to make this much of an impact, but I really do think that it has empowered all the dragging and all the running styles. Yeah. So, um, so that's something that we can look at. And and now you think, do we return it to normal or do we make the pad even bigger? Do we put two more inches on the front? I personally would not have changed it and I would revert back to the original size of pad. I, I don't think that that, it's almost like there are some elements there that you don't need to change. Uh, when somebody's running a hundred meter, you don't need to necessarily change the track. That's right. not where that, that. I don't think the evolution is going to come from that at all. I think the the actual style st- style of arm wrestling and the, the trying to keep that balance in the style of arm wrestling is important. I think that that's probably of all the things we've discussed the most valid area for me. I think that it does, and, and this is coming from a guy who loved to top roll, so you know. Um, yeah. I, I genuinely believe that if you were to look at the way that the sport has evolved and who the pads favour, I mean, it'd be good to get the insight of somebody like Jerry Cataret. Yeah. Because you're looking to get somebody arm wrestling in a phone box, really tight right. and close. He's pretty much the guy to, to ask that right. question. But I'm sure yeah. he, he feels like if yeah. Michael, for example, couldn't have run that extra two inches, that he'd have been in much better shape to be able to press, you know? 100%. hundred percent. Or if you had given Jerry just the option to come forward another two, he would have been right in the game. Yeah. 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 So I think we agree. Um, I guess the next thing that people have a really hard time with is the dipping and the lowering of the shoulder. I think Uh, it's the static nature of the style, Devin. I think in, in most instances, I mean, you know, Michael will always say, well, if you watch the Kings move, I'm extremely active within the Kings move. Now, I love Michael, and he is extremely active within the King's move, and he does test bumps, and he does all those things. But you can't escape the fact that it is a dormant-looking style of arm wrestling. There's no If you make a direct comparison between Michael Todd in his early years and the level of excitement that he brought to an arm wrestling match, and Michael Todd, since he's become the king of the kings, then he is nowhere near as entertaining. What well, I would I... say, there's a personal pursuit there about being the best arm wrestler in the world. And ultimately, arm wrestling is about putting another man's arm on the pad. That's really what it is. Uh-huh. You know, you don't need to overcomplicate it any more than that. It's putting another man's arm, another lady's arm, on the pad during the match. So I think there's a distinction here to make in what are we trying to achieve? What's the real problem? What's the beef that people have? Are they concerned about the fact that the King's move makes it more difficult for them to beat certain arm wrestlers, the likes of Michael, yourself, Anatoly, George Zakowitz, the guys who have mastered the King's move, or are they more concerned, or are we as a community, as a sport, more concerned about being able to further our sport and put it across 
the radar of a wider audience because of the fact that the King's move makes it boring and static. People have a real problem when they are outside of the sport of arm wrestling and they come and view the King's move because there is, to the untrained eye, almost nothing happening at the table. The guy is just led back, bone blocking his opponent, and doesn't seem to be or appear to be doing anything at all. And then once the opponent is exhausted, come in and press them to the pad. What's your opinion on that? What What's your view and your stance around that that perception? I actually am a big fan of uh, you know the the waiting game style matches, whether they be uh, in a king's move, whether they be uh, in a deep hook. Uh, whether whether one guy's flopped and the other guy's top rolled, I I like the positions where people appear to be basically in a stalemate, and um, they kind of have have locked into their positions. However, they're very cautious to approach into the other man's territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, King's move King's move's famous for this. I think that. Um, a lot of people see it as a very foreign thing, like because most people who are arm wrestling on a very beginner level, they just don't see people doing the king's move on the regular. Uh, a much I think, more, I think the other problem uh, there normal is, thing is a hook, but you see plenty of people stuck in a hook for you do, but the hook is far more. Look, arm wrestling's an explosive strength sport, okay. So when people are in a hook, when two guys are in a hook, both of those guys, within a couple of seconds, maybe five seconds of rest, and then one or other will go for the attack. And you can see within that, that output of explosive power. It's visceral. You get to connect with it. People can understand that power, that drive, both in the man who's holding and the man that's attacking. Often with the King's move, I think one of the issues that a lot of people have is that it appears that one athlete is almost resting and he's pretty dormant. They're not really doing anything. It's almost like a spoiler. It's like one guy being in a boxing match and he's throwing punches like mad while the other guy's just holding onto his arms and tying him up, not letting him box. I think that's a, a similar comparison. It's almost like a spoiling technique rather than something where the, 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 the casual observer can see that there's a lot of power, a lot of visceral output going in there. And I think that's what people are annoyed about. I just never see it like that. I never do. When I see it, I'm more intrigued by it. I The way I look at it is, wow, this is so crazy. Why can't people figure out how to beat this thing? Um, I don't look at it as, oh, I'm going to take my ball and leave the court. I look at it as, wow, this guy's got a, an amazing hook shot. I can't really block him. What do I need to do before he gets into that spot? You know, um, and And I really hope that people start to give the sport enough respect under the current rule systems to understand that it's about winning. It's not necessarily about having to win a certain way. Uh, if you want to do that, then we need to change the rules. Yeah. Um, other, otherwise, there's really, it, it's, it's to me, it's very petty and very small-minded to force arm wrestlers to have to fight in a certain style when they have success um, in, in any in any number of choices, whether that's uh, stalling the match, waiting, whether it's 
getting into a referee's grip and blasting. I think that the diversity of options is one of the greatest things that we have in the sport. And when people try to minimize it, it makes me cringe because yep. um, what you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to make this into a powerlifting game or uh, an Olympic lift, which which we are not. We are a combat sport where we've said you need to pin your opponent. These are the rules. Anything within this rule system to accomplish that means you're the champion. And, and I think that for people who complain about it, I think that their mindset um, either needs to change or they need to reinvent the sport to their liking. Devon, there is a perception out there amongst the arm wrestling fraternity and people with less experience who are just coming into the sport that the king's move is easy to access. It's an easily accessible technique, very much like the hook, like the top roll, like the press. You can just start to train for it and anybody could do it. What's your view on that, mate? Do you actually believe that that is the case or do you think we're really dealing with a um, a specialist skill set and that some people like George Zakowitz, like Anatoly, have an ability to do this which others, try as they might, couldn't emulate? Yes, that, that's what I believe. I believe it's a very specialized skill. And, and when you said at the beginning, um, it's a very easy technique to do, like the hook, like the press, like the top roll. I think to do any move to a very high level in arm wrestling requires a great deal of skill and is not simple. Um, I think to do any of these great moves well, you have to have credible threats in all areas of arm wrestling. Um, and at the end of all these credible threats, you'll land in your strongest lane. For the majority of people, these strongest lanes are the more fundamental parts of arm wrestling, the, the hook, the top roll. Um, and then as soon as you start to go outside of that, you, you're dealing with a smaller percentage of the bell curve. Mm -hmm. It's a very small percentage of athletes that end up having their strongest grooves in the rotational pronating um, anchor that is the yeah. king's move. Um, I think that's probably, there's some evidence in that, mate, to be honest, in the fact that, as we said earlier, Anatoly Marantsev, uh, Georgia Zakowitz, you could argue that a handful of others, guys like Gregory Schneider, Pascal Girard in his latter years, and now obviously Michael, a lot of these guys have been doing that, I mean, in the case of Anatoly and George, since the early and mid-90s, and there hasn't been a massive influx of people copying that style, despite the fact that it's always been effective. It's interesting, isn't it? I think that's because <laughs> it takes a lot to do it. Now, I'll tell you that there is, the King's Move does become empowered as your arm tightens. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and anybody who wants to argue that uh, is either being self-protective or is uneducated. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have got time for. I'm so sorry to bring the curtain down on such an interesting show. But joking aside, I want to say a big thank you to No Limits, Devon Larratt, tonight's guest. Took a brave man to come up here and to argue for the King's move. 
We were looking for people to do so, and let me tell you, they were few, and they were far between. We hope that the last two shows focused on the King's Move have helped you make up your mind, and whichever way you fall on the King's Move argument, it's certainly hard to deny its effectiveness. Ladies and gents, we got to leave it there, but I hope you will join me same time next time on the World Arm Wrestling League this week with myself, Neil Pickup. As always, it's been emotional. Stay strong, mother fluffers. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line.